the passion to witness and hear the gospel that's hustling on the track of the sinners. I roll with the crew at noon, back in the spitting in the Jagato because of the cup of rack that he finished. Listen, I was a cat who couldn't count on his future. Now the spirit of truth got me reading Calvin and Luke, the hallelujah. My filthy rags are falling down the sewer, and everything I gain, I count it all as common to what? Hey, now Yeshua, the holy and righteous ruler, stands alone. The only priest to come out of the tribe of Judah. Listen, my grace has saved me to include in the kingdom, and now these legalists constantly try to ruin my freedom. I tell them there was nothing I could do to receive them. His love will abide if I decide to pursue him and leave him. Cause the reason I'm blessed is in Deuteronomy 9-6. I know I said enough for you to want to rewind this, but... Freedom. It's like you about your freedom. You are safe enough to reach him. Grace is how you meet him. Faith is how you see him. You say you not believe him. Freedom. It's like you about your freedom. You are safe enough to reach him. Grace is how you meet him. Let's take it back to Noah, he was a pathetic drunk Abraham cheated, his wife Sarah had set him up <laughs> Isaac was a coward and a liar Jacob was a hustler, still allowed to wrestle with the Messiah Joseph liked to boast, he was Jehovah's interpreter And can't forget about the great Moses the murderer Aaron was a people pleaser who gave him the compromise Samson was a rebellious man filled with lust and a lot of pride David was your overly violent type And Solomon makes you have to look like Napoleon Dynamite Every disciple's faith in Jesus was weak and timid So Peter was a sellout and Paul was the chief of sinners Listen, now I don't want you to see this as condescending But I pray that Christ will give us the freedom to stop pretending Otherwise we might as well worship at the mosque Cause every blessing we receive was purchased at the cross Freedom, get to save you about your freedom you were safe enough to reach him. Grace is how you meet him. Faith is how you see him. He say you not believe him. Freedom. If the Savior brought you freedom, you were safe enough to reach him. Grace is how you meet him. Faith is how you see him. He say you not believe him. Freedom. If the Savior brought you freedom, you were safe enough to reach him. Grace is how you meet him. Faith is how you see him. He say you not believe him. Freedom. Yo, ha, I got you, baby. With all I got you. Free from the drama and free from the judgment. Free to believe in Jesus and freedom from thugging. Free from the mugging. Free from my youngest. Free to be you and me. Isn't free, we just bugging. Freedom of scripture gave me freedom to picture. A world is free from the sickness of sinfulness. The elixir was God. Come hither, the job was bigger than all humanity. After the fall, we all just figured that we were free to do anything and free to do anyone. And the freedom that comes in Christ ain't the freedom that's really fun. So we freely would give us His grace, freely taking our place. On the cross, He imprisoned Himself, so freedom would be our fate. So we free to tell everyone that freedom is truly coming. They free to reject them, but you don't want to be free, dumb. This freedom is everything. They free me, I better say that I'm free at last, Dr. King. Much more cause he's not the king This freedom that Jesus brings That's freedom my mama say That this rap's a grace compilation Ain't free to you by the way But you're free to still purchase it Free time you can work with it Listen to every verse in it And remember you're purchased by him And free If you're saving about your freedom You are safe enough to reach him Grace is how you meet him Faith is how you see him He say you not believe him Freedom Wrath and grace Grace, 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 grace
everybody, it's Pastor Randy here with Made... Oh, forgot to start my cam. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, it's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. Guys, I, I hope you guys are having a great, great morning. Oh, uh, I know I am. Um, you know, every morning waking up with Jesus this is a great morning, right? Um, you know, uh, just a, an announcement before we get started here. Um, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe the essentials of prayer. So, guys, please go to madefreechurch.org and, uh, you know, submit your prayer request there. We have a little prayer, uh, prayer request tab. We have a whole intercessory prayer team that prays over your prayer requests um, every day. So, that being said, now we're going to continue our study here in the Apostles' Creed and uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And this is uh, what we call the Father Almighty. So we're going to learn about that, right? We're going to, we're going to learn what we affirm. Um, so uh, let's get into this. Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. Lord, we just ask that you get this lowly preacher out of the way and let your word go forward. Lord, we just ask you bless our hands and feet today, Lord, and, and give us the confidence and the integrity and um, just the, the the esteem to live for you today, God. And uh, we just ask that in your son Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, I'm going to turn on some music. down a little bit more all right uh, so as we continue uh, our series of the Apostles Creed I'd like to examine today what it means to believe in God the Father Almighty so let, let's recite the Apostles Creed today if you want to if you know it and you want to recite it with me I believe in the in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died and buried, descended to hell on the third day, rose again, descended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, again, guys, this is not talking about the Roman Catholic Church or the Catholic Church called the Universal Church. The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Uh, in our study in the Apostles' Creed, we have now come to the phrase where we affirm our belief in God the Father Almighty. Um, Arthur and theologian J.I. Packer wrote this. You sum up the whole New Testament teaching in a single phrase. If you speak of its revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator in the same way you sum up the whole New Testament religion, if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's Holy Father, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much 
he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole life's outlook on life, or whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the Old Testament, everything that is distinctively, distinctively Christian and opposed to merely Jewish is summed up of the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. And today, we come to the very important question and phrase, really if it's a phrase, not really a question, uh, in the Apostles' Creed, right? So let us learn what it is we affirm when we affirm God as Father Almighty, right? We shall, we, we, need, we need to be doing, we, we need to ask two questions, right? First, what do you mean by the term Father? Second, and what do you mean by the term Almighty, right? So, first, what do you mean by the term Father? Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher of the 19th century, said this, The proper study of the Christian is the Godhead. The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy that can ever engage the attention of the child of God in the name, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God whom he calls Father. <coughs> Excuse me. So my goal is for you is that you will get to know God better as your Father. I'm not really interested in your growing merely in, in an intellectual understanding of the truths of Scripture. I want you to go beyond understanding Scripture, it, where, as, as it were, to deepen your personal knowledge of God as your Father. So, let's learn three truths about God as Father. First, God is the creator of all creatures. When the Apostles' Creed, uh, when the Apostle Creed speaks of God the Father, Almighty Maker of heaven and earth, it has in the immediate view that the fact that we and excuse me that we and all things depend every moment on God as 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 Creator are for our, our, our really our existence you know since god is the creator of all things the bible implies that god is the father of all his creatures for example in the old testament we read in malachi 2:10 uh a which is the the first part of the scripture it says we have have we not all one father did not one god create us in the New Testament, we read about Paul's preaching in Athens and, and quoting the approval uh, of a Greek poet's, a poet's statement in Acts 17, uh, verse 28b, where he says, We are his, i.e. God's, offspring. Both of these statements come from the statements threatening divine judgment. Paul's evangelistic sermon in Athens makes it very clear 
that though the offspring relationship implies an obligation to seek, worship, and obey God, and it makes one answerable, it makes one answerable to him at the end of the day. It does not imply his favor acceptance where repentance for past sins and and faith in Christ were lacking. If you want to see that, go to Acts 17 verses 22 through 31. Some who stress the universal fatherhood of God treat it as implying that all people are always and will be in the state of salvation, but that's not a biblical view. For example, in 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul speaks of a person whom the message of the cross is foolishness as perishing and warns the unrepentant in Romans 2.5, you are storing up wrath against yourself on the day of God's wrath, right? And, and, and so much they are so so how much are they God's offspring right although the Bible does speak as God the Father in reference to creation this is not the primary sense in which God is referred to as Father the next two ways are primary ways in which God is referred to as Father in the Bible Second, God is the Father of the Son, right? Within the eternal trinity uh, is a family relation to Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. On earth, Jesus is called the one whom he served, my Father, in Matthew 10, 32, and 33. And then he prayed to him as Abba, which is an Aramaic equivalent to of a respectful daddy in Mark 14:36. Now there's some uh, people in Uganda that call their pastor's daddy. I don't think that is an appropriate reference to, you know, and 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 I just don't think it's appropriate because we have one daddy that's God, you know what I mean? And 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 we should be calling him Abba not your pastor and stuff like that. So, and, and there's a lot. I mean, I've been called that too and I've asked them to stop because I think it's inappropriate, right? So what is the relationship of father and son in, in Jesus that, that Jesus himself declared? Now, the son loves the father in John 14, 31 and always does what pleases the father in John 8, 29. Takes no initiatives depending instead on every moment on the father for his lead in John 5, 19 uh, and verses 19 and 30. It's tendency itself in clinging to the father's own will. My father, he says, um, not as I will, but as you will, your will be done in Matthew 26, 39 and verse 42. Now, on the other hand, the father loves the son in John 3, 35 and, and John 5, 20. 
and makes him great by giving him glory and great things to do in John 5 20 verses uh, 20 through 30 uh, John 10 17 and John 17 verses 23 through 26 giving life executing judgment are the twin tasks that have been completely committed to the son and in John 5 23 it says that all may honor the son see God's loving fatherhood is of his eternal son is both the model of his gracious relationship with his own redeemed people and the model from which derives the parenthood uh, that God has created in human families. Paul spoke in Ephesians 1 uh, chapter 1 verses 3 and chapter 3 14 through through 15 he says this he says the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Human families by their very constitution reflects the father-son relationship in heaven. And the parent-child relationship should express a love that corresponds to the mutual love of the Father and the Son in the Godhead right <coughs> sorry and the third god is the father of believers the bible speaks of god as father with respects to the believers adoption to the family of god and that this is a supernatural gift of grace linked with justification and new birth given freely by god and received humbly by faith in jesus christ as savior and lord the Bible says in John uh, chapter 1, verse 12, Yet to all who have received him, that's Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. See, the, the, the message of Jesus sent to his disciples upon rising from the dead was I am returning to my father and your father to my God and your God in John 20 verse 17 as disciples they they belong to the family of God and, and indeed in that very same verse Jesus called them my brothers all whom he has saved are his brothers right so there is a church in northern california and I, I talked about this before that has portraits of famous people hanging on the on the vestibule there's a portrait of socrates there's a portrait of eleanor roosevelt there's a portrait of abraham lincoln and god and then there's the portrait of jesus these words are written in beautiful gold letters over the assembled portraits we are all children of God. Now, I'm sure people pass by and those portraits every day and marvel at the universal brotherhood of man. But there's only one problem. The universal brotherhood of man and the universal fatherhood of God is an, is an inclusive, benevolent and politically correct loving lie. The quote in gold letters is even a quote from the Bible, but it's incomplete. We are all children of God. The scripture says in Galatians 3.26, Through faith, 
in our Lord Jesus Christ. So when the Christian says, by, says the first clause of the Apostles' Creed, he puts all this together and confess his Creator as both Father of his Savior and his own Father through Christ, a Father who loves him no less than he loves his only begotten Son. Isn't that amazing? Like that, That's a marvelous confession to be able to make. But is this your confession, right? And second, what do we mean by the term Almighty? The Apostle Creed declares faith in the God, the Father Almighty. Does the, does the, the, does the adjective matter? Yes, a, a, a really great deal. It points to the basic Bible fact that God is the Lord, the King, the omnipotent one who reigns over his world. Treat pe people treat God's so sovereignty as a subject of controversy. But in the Bible, it's a matter of worship, right? You know, people want to think that, oh, I made the decision to be saved. You know, you didn't. God, for, God preordained that before the foundations of the world. And this is a biblical thing, right? But people, people don't want to be accountable to the sovereignty of God, right? We need to realize that we cannot properly understand God's ways at any point until we see him in the light of his sovereignty. That no doubt, this is why the Apostles' Creed takes the first opportunity of announcing it, right? But though the believing heart warms to it, oh, it hurts. It is not easy that it is not an easy truth for our minds to grasp, and a number of issues arise. But I'll only I'll let let me mention three. First, God cannot literally do anything. The omnipotence does not mean that God can literally do anything. There are many things God can't do. He can't do what is self-contradictory or non-essential, like squaring a circle, right? Nor is his, nor is this vital. He, can he act out of character, right? God has a perfect moral character and it is not in him to deny it. He cannot be capricious, unloving, random, unjust, and inconsistent. He Just as he cannot pardon sin without an atonement because that would be not right. He cannot fail to be faithful and just in forgiving the sins that are confessed in faith and in keeping all the other promises that he made. For failure there would not be right either. Moral instability and volition and unreliability are marks of weakness, not of strength. But God's omnipotence is supreme, making it impossible that he should lapse into imperfections of, of any sort. The positive way to say this is that though there are things which a holy, rational, 
God is capable of attending, that all that he intends to do actually intend to do he actually does right psalms 135 6a it says the lord does whatever pleases him when, when when god planned to make the world he spoke it and it came to be in psalms 33 9 and you can see that in genesis 1. so is so it is with each other thing that he wills with men there are many as slip twixt the cup and the lip but not so with god second god is not limited by man's choices god's power to fulfill his purpose is not limited by the choices of man man's power of choice is a created thing um a aspect of the misery uh, mystery of a created human nature and god's power to fulfill purpose is not limited to anything that he has made just as he works out his will through the functioning of physical order he works out his will through the functioning of our psychological makeup in no case is the integrity of the created thing affected and it is always possible apart from some miracles to explain what has happened without reference to the rule of god but in every case god orders things that come to pass so without violating the nature of created realities or reducing uh, man's activity to a robot level God's still works out everything in conformity that the purpose of his will in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 but that does not mean that we think as our choice is an illusion and is un and, and unreal that depends on what we mean <laughs> it is certain it's certainly an illusion to think that our wills are only free if they are operated apart from God. But free choice is a sense of free agency as theologians have defined it. That is, the power of spontaneous self-determining choice referred to above is real. As fact of creation and aspect of our humanness, it exists as all created things do in God. How God sustains it and overrules it without overriding it in his secret, right? But that he has done is so certain. We know that this is so, both from our conscious experience of making decisions and acting of our own free will, and also from scripture's sobering in insistence that we are answerable to God for our actions just because of our moral and moral sense that they are that 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 really are that moral sense they really are are ours that didn't make sense but yeah I think you get the point right <clears throat> and third God's sovereign over evil right the existence of evil the moral badness useless pain 
a waste of good does not suggest that God the Father is not almighty after all. Some might say that if we, if he truly, if he truly is almighty, he would remove these things if he could. The truth is that he is in fact removing evil. Through Christ, sinners like you and me already being made good, new pain-free and disease-free bodies are on the way and reconstructs the cosmos with them. Paul assures us that in Romans 8:18 8, and 8 through uh, 19 uh, through 23, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. If God removes, God moves more slowly than we wish in clearing evil out of this world and introducing a new order that we may be sure is in order to widen his gracious purpose and include it more included in more victims of the world's evil than otherwise he could have done. You can see that in in 2 Peter 3 verses 3 through 10 and especially in verses 8 through 10. The truth that our Father is almighty in creation, providence, and grace is the basis of all of our trust, peace, and joy in God. It is also the safeguard of our hopes of answered prayer, present protection, and final salvation. It means that neither fate, nor the stars, nor blind chance, nor man's folly, nor Satan's malice controls this world. Instead, a moral perfect God runs it and none can dethrone him or thwart his purpose of love. And if I am Christ, then I could say, as the poet says, a sovereign protector I have, unseen, yet forever at hand, unchangeably faithful to save, almighty to rule and command, thou art my shield and my son, the night it, it is no darkness to me, and fast as my moments roll on, they bring me neither near but to thee. This is what we affirm when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Amen. You know, guys, you know, um, I don't know if you guys are really, really, really following along with the Apostles' Creed. I hope you guys are. Because it's important that we understand what we believe and, and what we affirm. Just like creeds and confessions, we have to really understand you know what we affirm and and creeds and confessions do that and uh that's why i'll always be a confessional christian and a creedal christian anyway <coughs> um guys we have planted a new church here in weezer idaho and we could use your support. We could use uh, your financial support. And if you guys can do that, that would be a blessing to us. 
Um, you can go to madefreechurch.org. You can go to where it says Made Free Church, Idaho. Scroll all the way down to the page. You can give financially that way. If you can't give financially, we understand. If you could pray for us, that would be that would be that's far better than 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 financial. Um, and so, but we do we we are in need of of help and 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 we are in need of of donations for that. So if you guys could do that, that would be awesome. And guys, if you guys like to check out my own personal blog and website, you can go to reformedpastor.net. That's reformedpastor.net. And uh, and thank you for being here, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for making this church and 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 making this all possible. It's it's it can't run without you guys so thank you heavenly father we just come before you and we thank you for your word and we thank you for this time we ask that you bless this day bless our hands and feet lord as we go to work school or whatever we're doing lord bless our families and our kids and our grandparents and our parents and all that good stuff lord we just ask god that you are our father our almighty lord that you're the creator of all things we love you and we worship you in jesus name Amen. All right, guys. God bless you. You guys have a great day.